high net worth clients are not risk averse, right? They didn't get that way by being ultra conservative. Nowadays, no one pays cash for their cell phone, no. right? They finance it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people aren't aware that you can do this with life insurance as well. Debt, in a real sense, gives the small guy a chance against the big guy. There's good debt and bad debt, and that's just the reality of it. We 10 times the premium. Are there common objections that yeah. you hear to this yeah. often? Uh, what is, at what at does this that point, look if like? I haven't heard an objection, yeah, I'm doing something wrong. Well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Risky Assets Podcast. We are excited to have a, another guest, our good buddy, uh, Tim and uh, this is going to be a fun and unique one for us. We try to sprinkle in the insurance, so to speak, but this one's going to be insurance. Like we're going to talk about some really high level investment strategies, life insurance strategies, uh, premium finance, which is not a word you hear very often mm -hmm. in the space. But Tim is an expert in this stuff. So we're really excited to get cracking with you on this. Uh, it feels like a secret that some of these things that you sell, like we didn't even know about it in the insurance world, which was a big surprise to me. So. Before we go into all of that, give us an intro to you. Like, how did you get from square one to where you're at today? What did that path look like? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. <clears throat> if, do we want to go back that far? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I see the gray hair, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the salt and pepper look. So, 30 years ago, when I got into the industry, um, I was actually working at a country club, and one of the members there I got to know very well. Okay. And he had five Ferraris, and he would. I learned he was a VP for Kenner Fitzgerald and started to say, Hey, you should get into this business. So I actually started out as a broker. Okay. Sitting across from families on their kitchen table, selling 50, $25 into mutual funds, not knowing what I was doing. Sure. And then, um, I moved back into a home office, started on the annuity side and okay. then learned about life insurance and learned all the different ways that life insurance can be used as a tool, which intrigued me. So then I switched over to life insurance and I've been exclusively on the life insurance side now for about 25 years. Okay. And then when did the premium finance come across your desk? Like what part of your journey did you start doing and working on those kind of things? Yeah. So 2001, I started at uh, MetLife Investors okay. in the advanced markets. And then I worked in product design on the life insurance side. So after about two and a half, three years there, I went over to Pacific Life Insurance Company. And when I went over to Pacific Life, that's when I started my journey specifically in premium finance. Okay. So that was about two, call it 2005. We're used to premium finance on the property and casualty sure. side, but you told us when we met you that premium finance has been around longer on the life insurance side than it has on the PNC side. Yeah, but it's kind of odd because the PNC world really dwarfs life insurance side yeah. because the premiums are so much higher on the yeah, sure. and it's used a lot more because you have a lot more clientele that are going to fit it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to your point on the life insurance, if I go back to when I first started this journey, you know, 25 years ago, I would be in a room and whether it was CPAs, attorneys, you know, clients across mm -hmm. the country. And I'd say, how many of you have heard about premium financing? And you might get one hand, right? Now, if I do that, you're going to get, you know, maybe half the room, but still mm. a lot of people aren't aware that you can do this with life insurance. And these are as well. insurance people, us included, didn't know, right? And for those who are listening, in a short snippet, like what is premium finance life? The way I explain it is it's similar to if you're going to buy a commercial building, right? So if I have a million dollars cash and I want to buy that building, I can pay a million dollars, right? Right. Say that property goes up 10%. Right. What is your return? Hundred thousand dollars. Ten percent. Yeah. Pretty easy math. Yep. Well, what if I took that same million and instead of paying cash, I go to a bank and I buy a ten million dollar building. Right. So I use the million, I put it down, right? Mm -hmm. So now if it goes up ten percent, what is my gross return? Yeah. Right? You're just using leverage, right? You're just using yeah. leverage. Yeah, this is something that I understood from a property perspective. And when you initially explained it to me, I'm like, wait, why wouldn't you do this for everything? Because 
I'm a property guy. Like I understand leverage really well. What's crazy is nowadays with credit cards and even your phone, right? Of course. No one pays cash for their cell phone, right? They finance it. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at a large life insurance policy, whether that's for asset accumulation or death benefit, why wouldn't you look at someone else paying that for you and then you just Mm. financing it? Well, we were talking about it in general, like to start the business, we got a 0% interest credit card. Mm. I had the money. I just didn't want to give it away. Like I'll just finance it over 12, 15 months. Like, you know, it's better to not just decap yourself and then, oh, I don't have my cash anymore. Mm. So this concept applies. You're just using money in a creative way to really get yourself bigger returns. And then from a deeper dive, what does premium finance look like? Like who is it meant for? Yeah. If you go back to, again, when this was originally started, premium financing, $5 million net worth, right? You have to have liquid assets. You have to have the income to Mm -hmm. support it too, Mm -hmm. right? So not only are you qualifying for the insurance, as we all know where you have to, right? but you also have to financially qualify for the bank. So they wanted to see those clients that we deem high net worth, right? Right. If you fast forward to today, it's not necessarily the five million anymore. Some of the traditional banks will go down to three million dollars net worth, but with a higher income, real right? Correct. Right. Yeah. So it's like a it's kind of teeter tottered. Right. Right. You have to have either higher liquidity and or a combination of the income. Right? right. So and then we switch over to our Henry program, which we just rolled out this year. That has a lower barrier of entry, so that's just an accredited investor. Sure. And that one, I think, is a good second one to touch on as soon as we like cover the premium finance deal. So when we came up on it, we were like, well, why would this make sense? Mm -hmm. Who is looking for it? And why does it make sense for a certain client that you've seen? Since this is what you do every day. Like, what's the fastball? Who's buying them? Yeah, good question. Uh, We see a lot of business owners. We see a lot of real estate developers. Why? Because they're already using leverage every day in their business. Right. Mm -hmm. They understand it. People don't understand, too. Maybe car dealers. Right. Because they floor their inventory. Sure, yeah. Right? So again, they're familiar with using leverage inside their business. So why wouldn't they do that when they buy their life insurance? Uh, other segments are professional athletes, right. CPAs, We've seen a lot of yeah. attorneys, physicians. You have right? some celebs. Obviously, the high net worth is easy. They're, yeah. they're going to be there. For the Henry's program, describe that. What are the, the minimum barriers to that? Accredited investor is the minimum. I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. But we're going to look at them and say, if you live in Southern California and you're married and you're big at 250. Still not enough. Yeah. You don't have enough disposable <laughs> income, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you're somewhere in the Midwest, maybe you do. Of course. Okay. So we're going to underwrite them, but that's the minimum to get them into the program. Sure. Um, that program's unique because on traditional financing, the client has to go through financial underwriting, apply to a bank. Mm-hmm. With this, there's no financial underwriting for okay. the loan. Because we're going to be providing the loan on behalf of the client, and we're guaranteeing the loans on their behalf. So the client, just again, to qualify, has to make that amount of money. Mm-hmm. They have to make their interest payments for five years, and then they're done. And then there's no collateral posted. So that's the difference between the Henry program right. versus the traditional finance. Right. Yeah, we saw that when we were looking at it. We're like, all right, yeah. starting a business, probably a little big, uh, little bit much to chew off. It's 25 grand a year? Is 20 the, is the minimum. Yeah. It's the 20. Okay, yeah. it's the minimum for five years. So it's a big chunk to come up with. Absolutely. For someone who's just barely teetering in that space. Right. But for those physicians that don't want to go even, through financial underwriting, don't want to post a personal guarantee or collateral, that's where they fit into this program. So what was fascinating to me, again, leverage, right? If I was to take $50,000 a year of my own money and put it into an IUL, right? I'm obviously, I'm going to fund it for 10 years. I'm going to put my 500000 into it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that vehicle move pretty fast still, Correct. right? If, you know, someone like me, you see it all the time, 50000 the bank's going to put in what for me? I mean, it's yeah, see the 500-ish. Yeah, and that's what I just explained to clients and agents. I say, look, instead of taking that 50 and putting it into the policy, let's take that 50 and 
reallocate that and pay that towards the bank, the bank is then going to take 500000 yeah. on your behalf. Yeah. So we 10 times the premium 10 amount. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and to us, right? Okay, yeah, you pay the, the bank off at year 11 usually, mm-hmm. right? You still look at your cash value difference, and it's massive. Right. It's astounding. You're, you're compounding huge numbers compared to just your, I don't want to say measly 50000 but when a bank's putting 500 a year, for 10 years, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, depending on the client's age and rating, you're going to see anywhere from a 3 to a 5X on the initial death benefit, which is starting out, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you project income, whether it be at age 55, 60, 65, mm-hmm. you're going to see anywhere from a 2 to a 5X on paying the 50 out of pocket versus financing it. So those are the benefits of financing. Why do you think this isn't talked about more? I, I kind of have this perception that this is like the wealthy way to do things and sure. you just don't let your buddies know because you yeah. don't want them to get the upper hand on you. Right. What's your opinion <laughs> of that? Yeah, well, traditional financing, it was only available to the ultra high net worth clients up until, you know, several really years ago. ago. Yeah. Right. So now it's getting more traction with, you know, the Henry's of the world. Mm-hmm. But again, the word just hasn't gotten out there. It's fascinating. Do you find that when you're having these conversations, you said that if you asked about it in a room full of, you know, 25 people now, about half of them would raise their hand that they've heard of it. When you bring it up to CPAs, wealth managers, estate attorneys, do you get a lot of pushback on this? No. no okay. No. So and the, the next question I ask is how many of you have actually funded a premium finance case? Right. Okay. Most of the hands go down. Okay. Right. You might get two or three. Right. Okay. So again, it's something that's talked about a lot, but unless you're an expert in this, because there are a lot of moving parts. Sure. Right? Yeah. And explain some of those moving parts. Cause it's not just get a policy like you would normally an IUL, do some medical and then buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to answer your question, the CPAs and the attorneys, if they don't understand anything, what's their answer? No, no. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's the ones that aren't educated properly because okay. there are risks with financing that you don't typically get when you just buy a policy out of pocket. Yeah. Right. And that's crediting risk of the policy. You're going to get that whether you pay out of pocket or you finance. Right? Yep. But that's exasperated because now you have a larger premium. Of course. So you increase your crediting rate risk. And then you have collateral risk, right? Because you're going to be posting collateral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have interest rate from risk from the bank. And there's ways to mitigate that. But those are risks that you don't have. So in order to get a finance transaction, like you do traditionally, you apply to the, the carrier. But you also have to apply to the bank. So right. we're talking not our Henry program. Right. But so two years of tax returns, financial statements, you are applying for a loan. loan. Yeah, Yeah. it's a normal loan. And so I know when the interest rate market was down, we were kind of playing with some, you know, flexible lending and you Mm -hmm. weren't, you know, I would say locking in a 10 year. I think more recently it's been 10 years, right? We're we're trying to lock people into that. So there's not as much variable in that. Am I correct on saying that? Okay, cool. And then the other moving parts uh, we were learning about this, right? A state attorney became extremely important when you explained it because we're dealing with people who have real money Mm -hmm. right and to sell a product without an attorney looking at what are my consequences here was i mean it's a no-brainer right so you have one of those is that an in-house person or is that someone you just get from the carrier how does that look when you get an estate attorney involved typically it's going to be the client's attorney that's who we always want to get in front of are their advisors, right? Because they're their trusted advisors. And even if they don't understand the product, they can do a good enough job with setting it up for what's going to happen with the money. Correct. Because, yeah, what we do also is we always show the worst case scenario. Of course. Yeah. Advisors want to say, how does this blow up, mm-hmm. right? So we run multiple scenarios and say, what if the policy performs at 0% for five years? What if interest rates increase 200 basis points a year, right? So this is what you're looking at. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you're painting a picture of like, this is worst case scenario. And then you're painting a picture of realistically, we think that this is how it's going to Correct. perform. Yeah. So yeah. sort of like a conservative, moderate, aggressive 
exactly. outlook on exactly. things. And yeah. we know Watermark in general, who you work for, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that, but you work for Watermark Live. Right. We had Nicole on earlier, who was fantastic. But you guys tend to do the singles and doubles, which I think is the right way to go about illustrating things and painting the picture. If you hit a home run, you look like a rock star. Right. But we see a lot of agents just <laughs> everything they illustrate is a home run. And it's really easy to miss when all you'd swing for is the fences, right? Yeah. So uh, I think you guys and you specifically do a really good job at that. I think there was another caveat for kind of the running parts. I think it was a trust or an LLC that you have to form for the IUL, is it not? For traditional financing? For Yeah, for the, for the traditional program. Yeah. The banks typically, there are a couple out there that will take an individual owner. I don't recommend that these policies be held individually because yeah. then it's inside your estate. Correct. So what we typically do is a trust to get them outside their estate. And okay. that's not a huge cost to do something like no. that. So that's, that's a fairly easy one, especially for someone who has money to go, okay, I'll get another entity. It's not a right. big deal. Yeah, and if they have an existing attorney, that attorney should have already drafted a trust for them. We'll review the trust to make sure it has the right language in there. And nowadays, m most of the attorneys will have that language automatically put into trust. Yeah. That's great. So one of the things I learned too, when you're dealing with big numbers like these premium finance IULs, you are not always looking for an, a cash accumulation play. Mm -hmm. You're looking for a death benefit play Correct. where you can pay for various things that the estate needs to handle on, on passing. What does that look like? What do you normally see? What are people trying to accomplish when they're buying a policy like that for death benefit? Yeah. There's two segments for death benefits. Oh, categories I'll use. There's business owned insurance and then individually. So individually, that's going to be either estate taxes right. or an estate equalization or a combination of the two, right? Um, on the business side, it's going to be for your buy sells and your key man. Hmm. So again, anytime you have a large policy, financing is just another way to pay for it. So yeah, it makes a right. lot of sense. Right. And we see for athletes, right? These people aren't always guaranteed their contracts. You think like a football player. Yeah, they could have a seven-year contract, but their knee is on a two-year window. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you guys have a little different setup for people like that. You said, I think it's a five pay instead of a 10 pay yeah. that they put up. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't understand is athletes, especially baseball players, when you get guaranteed money, right? What happens if they were to pass away? Yeah. That's a guaranteed contract. So now they have income in respect of a decedent. So what that means is estate taxes are due nine months after you die. And let's say they had a $50 million contract, but only $10 million was paid out. Well, that extra $40 million is accelerated and is part of their estate. So how mm. are they going to have the liquidity to pay, to pay for that? For it, wow. right. That's where life, large policy comes into play, right? Yeah. And then again, because of their contracts are limited, yeah. what we want to do instead of having them 10, you know, kind of. It's a long kind of, tail. It yeah, can yeah, be. Yeah. 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 So we want to limit it to whatever their contract is. Mm. I, I like that. I never thought about that. Yeah. Before. I mean, hey, look. Athletes get hurt. Yeah. Like it's just part of the game. So it makes a lot of sense, especially in non-guaranteed money. You know that they maybe aren't going to be able to pay this for 10 years Correct. or whatever it may be. Um, what are some of the other unique things about the program? I know you've talked about wealthy individuals buying it for their kids, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like, hey, I'm going to get you an IUL anyway. I might as well ramp this thing up when you're young. How often do you see that? A lot. Right. Yeah. So these are healthy young individuals too, right? Yeah, so yeah, you can really yeah. ramp it up. Yeah. So if it makes sense for the parents, it makes a lot of sense for the kids. Hmm. Um, the issue you're going to run into kids is uh, how much insurance you can get. Right? Yeah. Right. So you're typically only going to be able to get a couple of million. The parents have to have a lot in force. Yep. And then we can get it on the kids. But if it works well for someone that's 35, 45, 50, it's gonna it work works kids. really good for a kid. Um, yeah. My youngest is six years old. Yeah. So. I mean, I want to do it. I have IULs for all my kids. And as soon as I'm able, I'm doing it because yeah. it's just a yeah. no brainer. You set them up with tax free growth mm -hmm. 
and they're able to eventually loan against it when they need to and use it in ways that are really creative that you can't just do in a normal investment account. No. And that's why I talk about it is like this secret investment account that nobody talks about. I am really good with my money. I know of all the products that are out there and how I didn't know that this was available is still astonishing to me. As far as the Henry's program, there is a bigger net to cast there, obviously, because it's less money, but there are people coming into more money at a younger age. Yeah. A lot of entertainers, YouTubers, TikTokers, whatever you want to say those people are in the bubble of. Athletes, right? These are people that, yeah, I don't have $5 million in net worth, but I'm making a million dollars a year. Yeah. You're, you're going to see a lot more of that rolled out, yeah. I'm assuming. And the way I position it with some of the RIAs or investment people that we work with is say, look, it's an asset allocation play, right? So just take, if the client's investing, say, 50000 a year, mm-hmm. maybe take 25 of that and just allocate it to this type of vehicle. Of course, you don't put all your eggs in this basket. Yeah, yeah it's just another piece of the pie, but it's a fascinating piece of the pie. Yeah, it's, it, you know, we've talked about it before where it's just a pool of cash-free assets, right? So if the kid is 21 and all of a sudden they're going to go to college, you can pull tax-free out of that. Mm-hmm. You can then pay it back into the policy so it becomes their own personal bank. Yeah. And then if they want to buy their first home, they can pull the money out, right? Because there's no limitations. Yeah, it's no their limitation, money. No underwriting yeah. for it. Yeah, it's a phenomenal vehicle. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where it's not just the cash value, right? No. We have the living benefits. Of course. So if they get sick or they get terminally ill it can cover those as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not your grandfather's life insurance anymore. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What are the common pushbacks that you get on this type of program when you're talking to estate attorneys or CPAs? Like, are, are there common objections that yeah. you hear to this yeah. often? Uh, what at is, the, at what this does point, that look if like? I haven't heard an objection, yeah, I'm doing something wrong. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. So the objections are, hey, what if interest rates go up, right? Yeah. Which we're seeing right now, Yeah. right? Yeah. What if the policy doesn't perform? Those are things that happen in a regular yeah. IUL in general. Those are yeah. your two risks. The yeah. third risk that are borne by those t- two is the collateral, right? Because okay. if the policy doesn't perform and interest rates go up, then you're going to have more collateral that you have to post. But okay. again, that's a product of the, f- the, the, the first two risks. Yeah. How do you talk people through those things? There's ways to mitigate this, right? And what I will say is, I've always said this, high net worth clients are not risk averse, right? They didn't get that way by being ultra conservative sure. right, for the most part. Yeah. So what they are surprise averse. Yeah. Okay? But at the end of the day, if they're not willing to take on these educated risks, then this isn't right for them. Yeah. Of I course. tell them, look, if you don't expect this product over the next 30 years to return at least 6%, don't do this. Yeah. Right. On the interest rate side, the way we mitigate it is by doing fixed interest rates for a period to take interest rate risks off the table. We yeah. all know interest rates are going to continue and increase through the end of the year and probably into next year. Right. Yeah. We'll probably settle and then start coming back down mm-hmm. again, right? But for now, to take the interest rate risk off the table, we're doing five and 10-year fixed. Okay. I have a lot of clients right now that are, it costs you more to go 10, right? Yeah. So they're saying, hey, in the next five years. It's going to change. It's going to change. Yeah. So let's just do a five for now. Right. I'm willing to take that interest rate risk Yeah. to get a, a little bit less of a borrowing rate. Yeah. Well, and I would say, you know, between the two of us, Charlie is more on the aggressive side of investing, and I'm definitely more on sure. the conservative side. Some of that is a... Uh, a window, time window, right? Because I'm almost 10 years older than he is. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm always looking at the more conservative approaches and like what could go wrong is always kind of my, my first thought. Um, You mentioned uh, market performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've just seen a a dip Mm -hmm. in the, in the stock market. Was that an objection that you saw a lot during this timeframe? People worried about market performance and 
Yeah. How did you talk through that? Yeah, again, I've been doing this for 20 years. So yeah. we've, we've been through a few more Yeah, we have. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, to give you an example, some of the clients were earning 12, 17% on their policies before the market correction. So it's not guaranteed, right? We not just guaranteed. And yeah. up front, we tell clients, look, you're going to get zeros, yeah. right? In 10 years, you're probably going to have two or three zeros. Yeah. So again, one of the scenarios we show is five zeros out of the gate. Right, you're stressing it's the heck out of it. It's never happened. Yeah. yeah. But we show it anyway, right? Mm. So if you do get those two or three zeros, right, on average, we're hopefully going to get that 6%. And that's what we've seen historically. But again, we can't guarantee. I don't have a crystal ball. Of course. I don't know what it's going to do. But well, every financial product you go into, if someone says it's guaranteed, yeah. they're blowing smoke at right. you, right? Be everything very, in, very careful. Everything in the market requires risk. Correct. It's how much you're willing to take. And I'm on the burn it down end. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I'll put everything in the, <laughs> I'll go as risky as you let me go because I am, I'm 32 years old. Right. I'm still at the fan. I'm getting closer. I'm like, all right, now I have a lot to lose. I have to be more careful, but... From 20 to 30, I threw it all at it. Whatever was as close to the fire as possible, I'll go for it. Because I understood that, uh, what what do I reset at? Okay, I lost a couple hundred grand. Ah, you know, I'm not that far out in the water. But obviously, you know, if you get to 40, I'm going to be looking at it a lot different. But there's risk inherently in everything. It's just, are you getting the right picture? I think is what a lot of people miss. And if I'm a client and I'm going, now this is multiples on my money, I'm extra leery of who I'm talking to. Are you seeing a lot of clients who are misrepresenting this as well? Kind of oh, just yeah. like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. not, okay. Yeah. Back back in the day before we had AG49 and AG49A, uh, it was kind of the wild, wild west. Sure. Right? So I had an illustration once and I put it in front of an attorney and I said, you know, look at this. I call it the perpetual motion machine. No out of pocket, right? They're rolling up interest. It grew to like $137 million death benefit and they could pull out a million dollars a year. And I, put it across the table and I said, what do you think of this? And he said, you know what this means? Ink can stick to paper. Hmm. And I said, oh, I'm going to use that. And I have. Yeah. But that's what was being sold, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and if you could define for our listeners AG49 and AG49. Yeah, so regulations yeah. that have come out the last couple of years. Yeah. And what they've done is there's some multipliers that are inside the policy, right? Some of them are contractually guaranteed. Some aren't. Right. Right. And what they were doing is the non-guaranteed ones they were showing on the illustration to show returns higher. Yeah. Um, as well as the loan rates. Mm-hmm. So the regulators came in and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You can only show 50 basis points of arbitrage on your loan rates versus your value. And you can't show these bonus multipliers, even though contractually guaranteed. Sure. So if you have them on your policy now, you have to show the fees being taken out, mm. but you can't show the benefits. So in that sense, they're oh, very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I love that. I mean, okay. I think that's a really important thing to do. We've seen a lot of these products go through the Wild West phase and get yeah. squared up. And I think a lot of the time, insurance especially life insurance has a bad rap and then you'd multiply it by big numbers with people actually doing things they shouldn't have been doing right. it is a lot cleaner today than it was still bad apples still people that are illustrating a little funky and yeah. not and a little over promising i would right. say but it's getting a lot better and obviously the guys and girls at watermark do a fantastic job with that um going back to really like the objections right most of these people who have the money they understand it are they getting one policy are they doing multiples are they trying to get it for their employees who are key people in the business like this has a trickle down effect yeah just like a normal iul kind of has a trickle down effect to what you can use and where do you see people employing this in their business and yes. okay and multiple policies yeah. and all that good stuff yeah yeah so what you'll typically find is the ceo will do a policy on themselves and then maybe they'll do their c-suite sometimes they'll even go further down into their executives um, then we'll do their family members so if it makes sense for them, right? Yeah. You know, what's the issue now? A 
rewarding and keeping employees, right? The great resignation. So if you can get a policy that's going to pay them out tax-free income at some point, that might keep that employee around. And we know that a CEO knows that people are the biggest driver of growth. Yeah. They are gold to an, uh, to any yeah. company. So we have been pushing this more and more, not just for individuals to purchase it, but for owners of companies to go, if you had someone walk into your door and say, I'm done, it was, it was a good ride, who would that be? And let's try and figure something out to keep them in the door. Yeah. Where's the, I don't want to call them golden handcuffs, yeah. but... Yeah, they're golden hands, yeah, yeah, right? You know, that's what it is. But it's a great benefit. I know that you're probably seeing that a lot. Uh, how often is it a business versus just like a general individual person buying a premium finance policy? Right now, if I was taking a guess, it's about 25, 75. So 25 business, 75 individual. Because oh, wow. what's happening now, as you guys know, we're talking about having the estate tax sunset. Yeah. So people are preparing for that. They're getting ready for so it. So now we're getting back into the estate planning, whereas two, three years ago, people weren't even thinking about unless yeah. you had a $100 million estate. And if you had a crystal ball, where's that number going? Uh, a lot think, of people have been think, saying six. We're thinking five to six. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Six is where I've been kind of seeing a lot of people going. And that's from what number? So people understand. Yeah. It's a 13 right 13. now. 13. It's a so big So it's a big difference. loss. So if, you're, if you've got a substantial net worth right now and you're not using your exclusion amounts, that $13 is going away. Fast. So use okay. it up. Yeah, use it up or get an estate attorney, figure out a way to creatively move the money because mm-hmm. Uncle Sam's just trying to get their flesh, yeah. you know, and there's a ways to optimize your tax strategy. Right. And this is definitely one of them that people have to consider. Yeah. Charlie, you've done a lot of research recently on whole life, IUL, VUL, just looking at the different, you know, forms of life insurance. Yeah, going deep. Yeah, that can work for this type of thing. Tim, what are we looking at as far as product goes when you're looking at placing these types of cases? Are you looking at whole life? If so, what's the purpose of that? And how does it differ from index universal life and variable universal life? Yeah. So let's start with the easy place. VUO, you can't finance. Right. It's okay. against regs. Right. You know? Right. Um, so right. that leaves you too with, much volatility yeah, there. That yeah. leaves you with whole life and I'll use UL in general. Sure. Okay. So you've got current assumption UL, you have guaranteed UL, and then you have index, index yep. UL, right? Yep. So on the whole life, we use those a lot for death benefit. Why? Because the client, again, understands leverage and is comfortable doing a bank loan, but maybe they're not comfortable using an index product. Sure. They don't want to take as much of a ride, right. a little bit more comfort. Right. So yeah. they want a little bit more of that certainty. So we'll yeah. use whole life. And what I've actually found a lot is what we do is we'll split the death benefit. So 50% of it will be whole life to take some of that return risk off the table. And then the mm-hmm. other 50, they'll do IUL. So you get some upside still, but right. you're not going full into exactly. the defense. Exactly. So and then uh, we go to the interest, uh, current assumption UL, right? Which you don't see a whole lot of these days because interest yeah. rates have been really low. Yeah. Right? So no clients pur- are, no purpose. yeah, clients aren't doing those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then guaranteed, no, because there's no cash value, right? Exactly. So what's your exit strategy? Yeah. Yep. So then that leaves you with IUL. The majority of these are going to be used on an IUL chassis, mm-hmm. whether it's for death benefit and or for income, especially on the income, because you have that upside potential of returning in those indexes and, yeah. and ultimately paying off the cash to the client. One thing that I always forget is that in a normal IUL or whole life, you can access the cash value right away, mm-hmm. right? You kind of employ that infinite banking concept. You can't do that while there's a loan outstanding, no, right? So that's the not. one drawback for people who want to use it for employing money right away. Yeah. Not the right vehicle for it. Yeah. Now, loans paid off. Now you got a bunch of money to play with. Correct. But it's a 10, 11 year play to get right. to that place. Yeah, yeah, it's a 10, 11, 12 year play depending on your age. So yep. this is not a short-term deal. Not a short-term deal. I'm going to fund it for three years and then start pulling money out. 
Okay. That's also why I think it's great for kids if you're doing, if you have the money to do it. Because, hey, you start it on them when they're eight. By the time they're 18, that bad boy's funded. You're getting ready to pay it off. And now you have a big lump of money to to go and employ it. But for the death benefit uh, play, how often do you see that for the whole life versus the IUL? You're probably looking 10 to 20% I, uh, whole life versus the IUL. Yeah. Again, because you are taking on risk by getting a loan. Mm-hmm. So you need the upside. Right. You need the upside and you're willing to take a little bit of risk on your the crediting rate of the policy on the IUL that you not necessarily want the guarantees of the whole life. So okay. it's a very specific client. So if some guy off the street or some, you know, whatever agent came up to you and tried to sell it to you, what's the likelihood of something like that happening? Because this is not a mass, you know, marketed product. This no. is very niche. How many people are doing it well? In your opinion, because part of what we want to do <laughs> is what we don't want to say. And we've said this in other podcasts. We're not the only ones doing yeah, yeah. insurance. Well, there are good agents out there and you got to look for them and you got to hear the right things. Who's doing it well? What does that sound like? What are they what are they preaching that you should be listening for? Yeah. Again, if you're hearing anyone saying guaranteed. Yeah. Run. Right. Right. Okay. If you're seeing a, an illustration where it's three percent guaranteed for 10 years on the loan rate right now, especially run. not happening run. Yeah. Right. So you want to look at projections that are conservative and that are realistic. And again, those stressed, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're not showing you multiple scenarios and saying, look, your collateral could be this much, right? Your, your loan could grow to this amount or they'll show illustrations. For example, let's say you have a client worth 30 million. They'll show a loan growing to be $20 million. There's not a bank in the world that's going to approve that. Yeah. Hmm. They'll approve it up front, but what are you going to do in five or 10 years? Right. Right. To get that requalified. So you're taking on those risks. Right. So those types of scenarios run. Um, The big one for me is the multiple illustrations. I see a lot of people going with their best, best shot. There's nothing else. There's no like, Hey, you should hedge against this. You should protect yourself here. You got to be careful here. It's just all the, the roses. Sure. Right. Again, we, in this industry, we don't learn. Right. You go back to the 80s where we had current assumption ULs and they were illustrating 12% all day long. Wow. And guess what happened? You know, paid up policies, mm-hmm. vanishing premiums, right? Mm-hmm. All that. Right. And then VUL came out. What were they illustrating? 12% all day long. Yeah. Equity index came out 8, 10%. It's like, when are we going to learn? Yeah. Right? yeah. If you show a 6% illustration and you're showing 0% for five years and in 30 or 40 years at life expectancy, your IRR is 10% after tax. Is that not good enough? Yeah. It You're is. trying to shoot for that seven ish number, right? right? I mean, that's what ideal That's the gold standard Yeah, 40% tax bracket. You're, you're talking about, you know, north of 14% mm-hmm. on a tax equivalent yield IRR. Yeah. in 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would take it every day of the week. Yeah. So yeah. why do you need to illustrate something higher? Right? Yeah. We talked about it with Nicole too. I think a lot of agents, you know, for right or wrong, they're just trying to get you to buy it yeah. at all costs, right? They're kind of looking past the moral compass. It's it's hard because going back to the $50,000 scenario, right? Yeah. So if you're paying 50 grand out of pocket, your commission is going to be X, right? As an insurance agent. Yeah. But now when the premium is 500 versus 50, it's 10 X. Yeah. Those are big commissions. Mm-hmm. So what does that bring out of the woodwork, right? It brings out who you really are, in my opinion. Right. I had an attorney contact me a couple of weeks ago and said, would you look at this? It's not my client, but one of our advisors. And I looked at it and I said, okay, here's all the problems, right? They were referring to a bonus structure on one carrier in the presentation, but they were showing a different carrier. They were showing loan rates of 3% for 10 years, mm-hmm. right? So I poked all the holes in it and said, look, this is what you need to be aware of. Um, I saw him last week and I said, hey, whatever happened to that case? He said, I advised him. 
and they went forward with it anyway. Wow. Hey, man, you, you make your own bed with stuff like that, right? right? Like, yeah. hey, if you're going to run with it, right. and that is someone else's problem, though, at the yeah. end of the day, yeah. whoever sold that is going to have to answer for it in court at some point. Yeah. If yeah. It, again, illustrating a home run, you're going to miss most of the time. Yeah, and I have horror stories from working on the carrier side. I've seen cases that were designed incorrectly that, quite frankly, did blow up. Sure. And I so, mean, it's, you know. it's an inevitability when you're, when you're illustrating home runs. Yeah. Now, we're trying to be honest, ethical shops. We've always talked about this, why we partner with you guys. At the end of the day, if someone still takes something like that, there's really nothing you can do. Correct. Do you try and put a presentation in front of them and go, this is more realistic? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's I, that's every day of the week what I would be doing. Yeah. How often do those people ask about commission? Like, what are you making on that? Because I think that would be a question from my perspective that I'd be asking advisors. What are you making? Yeah, absolutely. Because... It sounds like that product on top of it, he was going to make, whoever that agent was, going to make a big boy number. Yeah. I don't need to ask because I see the illustrations. Well, you see the target. See right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but sometimes I do to see if they're going to be honest with me. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel that's why I would want to ask it. Just right. tell me because I, right. I can play the dumb guy, but like I know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I know for us, we're always trying to, I want to say take as little as possible. We're always trying to sell more than just the product in front of us. We want the life to turn into personal, to turn into sure. business. So we have a holistic approach to where I don't need to squeeze every ounce out of one policy. You guys, for the most part, illustrate as low commission as possible to try and get the client as much benefit as possible. Yeah, because one thing about these, these are large premiums. They're yeah, large right? premiums. And guess what's going to happen in large year two or year three, right? The client's going to run into somebody that's an insurance guy. Mm -hmm. and say, oh, let me take a look at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And I have something better, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you always want to do right by the client. Of course. Then when you get checked in a year or two or three by their attorney, CPA or whatever, and they find out that you actually did right by the client, right? Then the referral start coming. I was going to say, yeah. hopefully that's a referral. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. Eventually it yeah. comes yeah. to play. The other end, in three or four years, if you did it wrong, it's going to float to the top of the water mm -hmm. and that dead body is going to be belly up, right? And, yeah. you know, and we've talked about this too, right? Can you put your head down at, at night and sleep? Right. Yeah. I mean, for and us, you know, we're, we're Christians. We yeah. always say we answer to someone else, right? Yeah. So we always have to answer to our maker. And that's a big deal for us. That's our first and yeah. foremost. So answering to people is easy after that. But sleeping at night is important. I like my life. I, I like it a lot. I don't want to screw mm -hmm. it up. But I think some people are willing to, right? Yeah. That's oh, the yeah. tough part. They're yeah. willing to roll the dice, see what happens. Jail can't be that bad. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, that's how they play it, right? They'll kick him out after a day. You yeah. know, <laughs> I, I talked to my buddy. He's in the financial services for about 50 years, but wow. now he manages, um, man's a relic perfect, uh, professional golfer. Right. Yeah. That you guys would know. And, uh, I talked to him about six months ago and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? He goes, Hey man, things are going good. We've been in the business a long time. We haven't gone to jail. <laughs> And I, yeah, laugh, right. and I go, that's a sad commentary, yeah, right? Yeah. The but white collar true. thing is true. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's almost just that as much in white collar as it is on the on the streets. Yeah. Feels like, you know, it's just bigger numbers in the white yeah, collar I, space. I know. Do you have a head count, rough head count of how many people you've written these types of policies for? Oh, over the years, geez, a couple hundred. Okay. Easy. Even with us, we weren't familiar with it. So I think for a lot of our listeners, this is going to be a new concept for them. Yeah. So helping people understand, it's not an uncommon practice. No, for it, people to write no, something not. like and, this. And they're typically one-off transactions. Yeah. Right? Uh, my largest was 15 at once, 15 lives. Okay. So um, you can't get those group lives when you're dealing with businesses. Not like that. Yeah. And what's funny is I have clients who have some major wealth, yeah. right? I present it to them and they have no idea what it is. Yeah. Now, again, to think about it, even in their space where they're around a bunch of their buddies who have money and still not coming around, 
I'm excited for the day where it's just more prevalent and maybe there's a little bit less trash in the industry yeah. to make it to where it's well. That's a the problem, right? If they go yeah. on the internet and they Google it, gonna, what are they going to find? They're going to find trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, of the bad actors out mm -hmm. there. Yeah. But again, run, done correct for the right client, it, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of people that are trying to do this or that are doing this. Sure. What sets watermarking you guys apart? There's a handful of people in the industry that are doing this and doing it right, in my opinion. Sure. Um, I know all the players, right? And again, it, we're consultative. So we say, look, here's another way to do it. You like it or you don't. Right. right? We're not pushing it. Right. We're just saying, you need a life insurance policy, whether it's for death benefit or income generation. Right. That's what your goal is. This is just another way to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So, and if you don't like the financing aspect, then just write the check. Right. right? But we're not forcing them into anything. Right. Because right. I, I actually pull it back from clients. I say, if you can't sleep at night and you're going to worry about this transaction in any sense of the mm -hmm. then don't do it. Yeah. I tell clients that don't do it. We love hearing that answer because yeah. we do it on our side. It's like, hey, we don't need to take your money. Yeah. Like if it's going to stress you out or you're going to cancel it in the future, there is no point in doing this. We want you to feel good about it 10, 20, 30 years down the line. Yeah. So yeah. I, we love that mindset. In our circles, a lot of people listen to Dave Ramsey mm -hmm. with the buy term and invest the difference. Sure. Um, how do you speak to that? And what's your opinion on that, on that model and that mindset? Uh, he's really good on getting people out of debt, but as far as investment advice and especially on debt, I think he's a little misguided, right? Okay. Because again, there's being good, so polite, there's good debt and there's bad debt. <laughs> Mom always said, right? <laughs> so there's good debt and bad debt. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Going back to the car dealers, right? How many cars would they have on their lot if they paid cash? Yeah. Right. Or the commercial real estate guy, how could he expand his business as fast as, or she, without utilizing debt? Yeah. Right? Well, also debt, in a real sense, gives the small guy a chance against the big guy. Because yeah. otherwise, the big guys could still pay for everything in oh, cash. Oh, absolutely. But the little guy can't do it. Yeah. And it affords the little guy the chance to build some real wealth. Yeah. So these are the products that we're also talking about that they give the little guy and middle guy the chance to do the same things that the wealthy people are doing. Yeah. It's like in the investment world, right? There's these reg D's, right? And what are they for? Accredited investors mm -hmm. or qualified purchasers, mm -hmm. right? So if you're the average Joe on the street, you can't buy this mm -hmm. because FINRA says you're not educated enough. You don't have the, the net risk, worth, right. right? You don't have the attorneys or CPAs to review this. So you can't get into it. But you look historically, they've generated 12, 14% IRRs for their clients year over year over year, right? So yes, there's risk, but how much is that risk? But you as the average Joe can't get it because, right? right? So, you know, allowing people to get into these types of transactions is, you know, it, for especially that Henry program, yeah. you know, the barrier of entry has now been dropped. We're really excited about that program. I mean, so many people are going to be able to come into that. And well, just a lot of, I mean, we connect with a lot of young business owners. We're doing People really that are well. doing really well, they're just not at a place yet where they're worth $5 million bucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, let's say they have, you know, 300 liquid, right? Well, they need that for their business right now. Of course. Yeah. Right. So we would never encumber that. Mm -hmm. So we can't do traditional financing. Mm -hmm. Right. So by using the Henry program where they don't have to post collateral, really their only commitment is that 25 or payment. 50 for the next five years. Yeah. Is there an age cutoff on this to where you see it no longer performing well, like with the cost of insurance built into a UL policy? Yeah. What's the, the sweet spot, so to speak of, you know, before this age is where we really see these policies performing well. Yeah. We, I'll use the general 60. Okay. Right? 
because at 60, you're going to start taking, if it's an income design, yeah, you're going to have to take, start taking income at about 75. Okay. You just need Doesn't to give it a lot that. of time, does right. it? Yeah. yeah you, these things have to marinate. Yeah. Right. Um, if it's death benefit play, it goes all the way up to as sure. know, age 80. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's fascinating. Obviously, the uh, younger the better. <laughs> you yeah, yeah thing, cost of insurance. Cost of insurance. insurance. And yeah. just let the compound interest yep. do its deal, yeah. right? You yeah. really need these to be able to sit for a while and do its thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, after 10 years, these people are going to have all this money. Are you seeing most of these people employing it for large assets to start doing their infinite banking? No. They're just trying to get it to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, again, it's just a pool of money there for them yeah. that they can access if they need it. Right. Right. And they want to keep it there, keep it marinating and just growing. So I love it. Because great. the UL, going back to the cost of insurance side, the UL is basically like a one-year renewable term policy inside right. of it, right? Yes. So every single year that the person gets older, their cost of insurance ticks up just Correct. a tiny bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you have that cash value. And we, That's we fund harder. it right at yeah. the MEC level. Yeah. So we're minimizing the net amount of risk, which is your cost of insurance charges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for people who don't understand, that's where we get our commission from. So yeah. we're upfront taking less commission. We're really trying to maximize the performance of this. Right. There's other agents that really drive that death benefit up so they can pad the stats, get some more yeah. commission. And then it, over time, performs that's worse. Yeah, that's another thing you need to look at. If an illustration and you're using it for income is designed as a level death benefit, yeah. What does right. that tell you, right? Right. Because the commissions are paid upon the death benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that agent's trying to make more money because the higher death benefit. Mm-hmm. That's not the most efficient way for the policy. It's not the most efficient way. If people want to reach out to you, obviously they could get you at Watermark Life. They could pick your brain. They could buy something from you. We know that you're cream of the crop for this. So we would love to send anyone your way. Uh, is there any parting words that you want to leave the the audience with is uh, they're thinking uh, about I, something like this. No, I would just say educate yourself on this. Um, if you're a high net worth client, uh, they can get contact with you guys. Yeah, you can talk to them about it. We're always willing to talk to them, but you got to look through the noise that's on the internet because mm-hmm. you're going to hear all the bad things about premium financing. But again, when done right and explained right to a client, right? When you've got a client that's taken oil and gas guy that I sure I met with, and I said, look, um, what do you get on your deals, right? Um, I always ask questions. Yeah. Right. So in sales, you, you listen, yeah. right. And you learn what is the client facing? What are their issues? What are their concerns? Right. And he said, look, I don't get a deal. And I said, I 25%. I said, Oh, okay, good. So we got to the presentation and at the time it was 4% borrowing rate and a couple million dollars a year in premium. Mm-hmm. And he said, what if interest rates go up? I said, great question. Pick a number. And he was a CPA, and he had his four attorneys with him. We're down in, I think it was Houston. No, it was Dallas. Okay. Um, and he said 12%. And I looked at him, and I said, who cares? And the attorneys were looking at me like I'm insane. Yeah. And he goes, well, what do you mean, who cares? I said, you told me about 15 minutes ago that you don't get into a deal unless you earn 25%. So in my book, if you're borrowing at 12 and that $2 million is being borrowed from a bank at 12%, but you're earning 25 in your business. So the 2 million is still working for you at 25% a year. That's still 13 points positive arbitrage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, who cares? (laughs) I said, the problem is if it goes up to 25 or greater, I said, but then what do you do? You pay off the loan with all that money you made at 25% IRR for all those years. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, how much of this can I get? Right. Right. So again, Explaining it right to the clients yeah. so they understand and then having the clients do their own research to find out what are these real issues? 
find the good people out there that are doing it because I'm not the only one. There, yeah. are, there are a handful out there in the yeah. country. Sure. Uh, but again, we've talked. There's some charlatans out there too. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, the, the, the sharks are going to be you yeah. know, around in, in any waters that sure. you swim in financially. Yeah. There's going to be bad people. We talked about that with Nicole a little yeah. bit, that like you're just always going to run into bad people. It's just like anything, right? Yeah. You've got good attorneys. You know, I always joke, what do you call the person that graduated last in medical school? Doctor. Doctor. Right? Doctor. He's still a doctor. You don't necessarily <laughs> want them operating on you, but they made it. Yeah, yeah right? they made it. Tim, this was fantastic. We yeah. love that you took the time for I us. This is a it. fascinating product. And guys, if you're interested, you can contact us at Greyhawk. You can contact Tim as well at Watermark. These are things that we do really well. Yeah. And uh, if you're interested in them, reach out to us. We'd love to help you. And again, we won't sell you. We will just show it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just know that we will be honest and ethical. And Tim, thanks again, my man. Thank you, really Tim. Appreciate, appreciate it, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And look out for the next episode.